For decades, China has been the driving force behind global economic growth. Since China began to open up and reform its economy in 1978, GDP growth has averaged about 9% a year, and more than 800 million people have lifted themselves out of poverty. However, concerns have started to surface regarding the sustainability of this blistering growth rate in China, especially considering the high levels of debt and its deteriorating demographics. In 2022, China recorded its first population drop in six decades, surrendering its title as the world's most populous country to India. So where does China go from here? And are these concerns about its slowing growth rate warranted? To help us answer these questions, we're joined by Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth. Hi, Adrian. Good to talk to you again. Can you contextualize China's investment case and why it's such a key player in the global economy? Hi, Kieran. Um, yeah, I think the original investment thesis was very much centered around significant population growth and aligned with that also significant urbanization um, GDP per capita growth, consumers getting wealthier, a lot of consumer spending taking place, and that money typically finds its way into various countries at, around the globe. But also, more importantly, because you see all this urbanization, a lot of property development, which also then means that um, there's additional demand for uh, raw materials. So countries like South Africa would have benefited greatly from that higher commodity prices. And that's really been some of the, the, the key things. That's also happened within the context that the government adjusted its strategy, which was previously quite focused on government spending on that same infrastructure to something that's more orientated to, towards um, consumer spending, which was deemed to, to be more sustainable over time. I spoke about the China's slowing growth rate and falling population in the intro there. Now, are these a threat to China's investment case going forward? And are there any other risks that could be a factor here? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you look at the, the key risks for, for China, I think firstly debt, um, the country is heavily indebted. We see a lot of debt around the globe at the moment, especially when you look at government debt purely a function of what we saw during COVID, a lot of support required to keep the economies afloat. We've discussed this at, at, at length before, but also what's happening in, in China specifically is um, with all the development that's taken place for the urbanization, the property sector has grown significantly and, and the property sector constitute roughly 25% of Chinese GDP. But remember, property companies are typically quite leveraged businesses. So if you over leverage and you run into a risk where there's lack of supply or developmental issues, as we've seen in China's case more, more recently, um, that can introduce quite um, a bit of risk. So, you know, and you can see it in the in the corporate debt level. So a corporate debt to, to GDP, which largely sits in that property space, is well in excess of 150 percent of GDP, which is which is quite unique for, for that level of, of, um, of leverage in the private sector. And then in terms of the demographics, because it underpinned the initial investment case that said there's a lot of population growth and a lot of spending, all of a sudden we see the beginning of what's likely to be a longer-term decline in population, which means that everybody's now doubting whether this urbanization will, will sustain itself, which seems unlikely and also whether the consumer growth can continue to happen when you have the backdrop of 
Um, a lot of the existing wealth is under pressure in China if the property market's under pressure. So um, that's going to put pressure on the consumer, not just in terms of the headcount of the number of consumers in China, but also around how much disposable um, income they actually have to propel consumer spending. Okay, so it does seem that there's opportunities and the risks. You've certainly mentioned a few of those and identifying those risks. That's the easy part. What could be the impact of these risks on China, China's investment case as we go forward? Yeah, I think that's really the, the, the tricky part because I think the risks are fairly well known at, at this point, the things that I've mentioned before. But I think what's really important, especially with something like property in China, that's quite important from a systems perspective. So it's so well integrated into the economy, into the wealth system with households. You've got to think where ultimately are the risks and the second round of effect risks going to land. What we've seen so far is a, a decline in, 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 in Chinese equities have already fallen around 40% from previous peaks. Iron ore has, has fallen a lot. The real estate sector has adjusted downwards as well. Um, but there are still certain areas where it's likely that the market hasn't sufficiently reacted um, either. So some of the commodity prices seem quite elevated still, uh, given the prevailing risk. So um, something like iron ore, for example, still seems quite elevated given the challenges that China is experiencing um, at the moment. And you've got to wonder where these debt issues are going to land eventually. So even if there is support from the government in the form of stimulus, you know, ultimately these debts need to be need to be repaid. So if it's only a liquidity crisis in terms of the development companies don't have sufficient cash flow to complete their projects, then the government can help with that transition to make sure that they can complete the projects. Um, on the other hand, if there's complete oversupply um, and they can't bridge their, their liquidity issues, um, you run into a very complex set of problems around social unrest, erosion of, of wealth, uh, private wealth, so it can get quite, I think the market seems to say there's risks, but let's be hopeful that Chinese authorities intervene. And that's a bit of a wild card. We, you know, Chinese authorities tend to be quite unpredictable in nature. And alongside that, obviously, the investment case around any population increase or decrease is something that trickles over very slowly. And that's something that affects the investment case over multiple decades. So it's very, very difficult to get a proper handle on it. And I think that the last important point to mention is the data issues that we have currently. So you can hear there's a lot of uncertainty around China at the moment. And typically what we like to do when we're uncertain is we try to do more research. But the problem is if the data isn't forthcoming, it, it also sort of ties your your hands a bit in terms of getting more comfort around some of these complex problems. And I think obviously that's not an issue that that just um, PSG is grappling with. I think it's an issue that affects investors globally, the, the issue around the availability of data um, coming out of China. And they seem to be squeezing that data as well because some of it is not very flattering and the release of data is becoming less and less. Yeah, there have been concerns about China's reporting in terms of generally accepted accounting procedures that would be the US standard or IFRS uh, international financial reporting standards for the rest of the world. And they don't seem to be conforming to those standards and also some of the, the demographic figures that come out and economic growth figures. What is happening at the governmental level in China to counter some of these risks that we've been talking about? Well, I think, I mean, like I said, that the, the demographics is a difficult one because that's a, a multi-decade problem. 
there aren't really any quick fixes because we're talking about effectively when it comes down to in in very rudimentary terms is that the the birth rate in China is not keeping pace with the mortality rate. So people are passing away quicker than what new people are being born. And that's going to put a, a, a dampener on, on productivity that's coming through the system. And at the same time, as people age, it becomes more costly to actually um, to make sure that they're okay from a social perspective. So they need healthcare and all those kind of things. So I think that's a very complex problem. Um, unfortunately, they've, they don't have a very good track record in this space in terms of planning appropriately for what type of regulations can have what kind of impact long term. So I think the demographics is something to, to, to keep a very close um, eye on. I think that the property one is very, very difficult because um, ultimately it could be solved by supporting these property developers with funding so that they can complete, can complete their um, projects and we restore confidence in the sector. But also keep in mind that the government debt is already quite stretched. So essentially, it feels like kicking the can down the road a little bit, which might be sufficient for this year. But how is the problem going to be solved more sustainably? And that needs to come through growth. And the normal levers for growth in China has been government spending um, through infrastructure spend, as I mentioned before, which doesn't it's not aligned with the new strategy. And the other source of growth for GDP has historically been exports. Um, and that's also now under pressure. So they're going to have to figure out how to propel growth to essentially grow themselves into a situation where the debt burden becomes more manageable. Exports is a huge component of that. So I think they're going to have to, to relook some of their trade tension and the, 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 the partnerships that they have. And on the consumer spending side, they're going to have to, to restore confidence in the economy. And the only way that you can do that is by providing better stimulus. So, so let's hope sanity prevails. Up to date, I think it's been disappointing in terms of the, the stimulus um, that we've seen from government. But you can understand why, given the, the debt issues that they face. Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer at PSG Well, Thanks very much for joining us, Adrian. Thanks so much, Kieran. Appreciate it.